are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Sam. I'm here live from Redding, California. A very special guest. Uh, we have the Director of Healing Ministries from Bethel Church, Chris Gore. Hey, Chris, how are you? Hey, great. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and just hanging out with us and just sitting down with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, um, I guess the first question I would love to ask you is how you're from New Zealand mm -hmm. and how you ended up all the way here on the other side in Redding, California. Yeah, I, I think that really just came out of a quest for the authentic, you mm. know, and I was, a, I was a pastor in New Zealand and I uh, grew up in the church and uh, very used to hearing, uh, you know, teaching on healing, but never saw it. And it just, you know, it really drove me to that point of like, I need to see it because either the church is, either the church's hypocrisy or God's word is not true. Wow. You know, and uh, so as a as a twelve year old, uh, I saw my mother die in front of me, and wow. and I remember praying one night, reading my Bible in the book of Mark, where it says, "You can lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover." And I remember weeping myself to sleep night after night as my mother was dying, saying, "God, the church is either hypocrisy or your words not true." And He never told me the church is hypocrisy, but He did tell me His words true. Mm. And uh, so it was just the hunger for wanting to see the authentic, wanting to see what the Bible says that we can do actually happen that drove me to the point of, you know, wanting to hang out with those that are actually operating and walking in it that I too might see that same fruit. Awesome. Yeah. So what, what would you say that as you've come out here and now you're fully in and part of this uh, amazing church and what God is doing and, and, you know, how did you end up being the director of Healing Ministries? Um, I did a couple of years here in, in school, I did first and second year in 2006 to 2008, and, um, and then I was offered the opportunity to come on as the Associate Director of the Healing Ministry. So I came on first as the Associate Director for uh, for about three years, and uh, so I've been on staff now for 11 years, wow. and uh, so transitioned into that role of the Director of Healing Ministries, you know, about nine years ago, yeah, 19 years ago. Great. Yeah. Uh, I know for us as a ministry, you know, I mean, part of why we come out to Reading and Bethel is because, you know, we want to see the authentic too. And, you know, we've been trying to do healing rooms the best that we can with what we have. And, um, you know, what's helped you in your journey of, you know, being a part of that, going after that? Uh, what are some non-negotiables you have as you pursue it? Because I think the question most people have is, you know, I'm not seeing it or I believe, but I, I don't see it yet or I've seen people get sick and not healed and things like that. Yeah, and it's not that I don't see everybody get healed, um, but the non-negotiable, the absolute non-negotiable for me is that the absence of a miracle doesn't define the heart and the nature of God. Mm. And what happens is that if we don't have, have non-negotiables in our life, um, then we begin, to, we begin to adjust our theology to match our experience. Or I'll put it another way, we pull our theology down to match our experience as opposed to lifting our experience to match what the Word of God says. Mm. 
And uh, so that is probably one of the biggest non-negotiables for me is that, you know, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews uh, one three it says that he is the exact representation of the Father or is the, the identical being of the Father. And in Colossians it says he is the image of the invisible God. So if I can't find it in the person of Jesus, then I have question to re I have reason to question it. Mm. And so when we look at the person of Jesus, Jesus is and Jesus needs to be our role model, not my experience or not your experience. Mm. I, I obviously value people in my life. There's no question about that. Fathers in my life, but uh, the fathers in my life are not my role models. Jesus is. Mm. And do I obviously learn lessons and can they help me? Yes, but they're not my role model. Jesus is. So it's, um, so I got a very non-negotiable that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, Hebrews one three, and if I and so I'm not I'm not a disciple of Job. I'm a disciple of mm -hmm. Jesus. That's good. You know, I'm not a disciple of anybody. I'm a disciple of I'm a disciple of Jesus. He is my supreme and only role model. And so as I begin to adjust my theology to live the life that Jesus says that I can live, mm. then it's out of that place is that he is the exact representation of the Father. So when I look at Jesus, I can see in Jesus that he never welcomed an earthquake. Yeah, You know, he never blessed a hurricane. He never put mm. sickness upon someone to teach them a lesson. What we do see is that every storm he came into, he calmed every sick person he healed. I mean, right. God didn't send sickness to teach us a lesson. He sent Jesus to teach sickness a lesson. Wow. And it's a non-negotiable for me because it's very easy to begin to adjust your theology based on your experience. Mm. And then we come up with another theology that would say, well, God sent this to teach me a lesson. Mm. It's like, well, that's not the gospel. Mm. There may be some illustration of it in the Bible, right? But it's not the gospel. You know, so we could go into the Old Testament and we could pull things out and say, well, you know, look at that, look at that. But but everything in there is pointing to a need that we needed a savior and Jesus comes and he is that savior. He is my supreme and only role model. Amen. Yeah. Right. Um, I think with that then, you know, I guess it's a call to deeper understanding of the word. I mean, what are some of the things that you do to, I guess, lift your experience then to match the word instead of lowering the word to match your experience? What are some of the things that you intentionally do? Well, one of the things that I would intentionally do is I, uh, I'm i always looking for Jesus in the scripture. Mm. You know, so because he's our role model, because he's my role model, uh, because he's the exact representation of the Father, I'm always looking for the life of Jesus or the person of Jesus in Scripture and whatever Scripture I'm reading. So, um, you know, so is my experience... So I can I can easily tell whether... Like, if I pray for somebody and that person doesn't get healed, then if... Let's just say, Sam, you came to me for healing and I pray for you and you don't get healed. I, I know this sounds like a little bit of a harsh way to say it, but... Please hear the heart and what yeah. I'm going to say. So if you come to me to get healed and I pray for you and you don't get healed, then you didn't get Jesus, you got me. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's that that's a simple reality because so as I as I begin to adjust my theology and I begin to feed on the person of Jesus, 
So, so for me, it's that I'm studying the scripture always from a perspective of what does Jesus say I am? See, I'd like to suggest to you that he's not a window that we're looking in to see who we can become. He's a mirror that we're looking in to see who we already are. Wow. You know, 1 John 4, 17, it says, As he is, so are you to the world. Yeah. It doesn't say, as he is, so you might come to the world. Mm. Or, as he is, when you grow up, you will become. Yeah, it says, good. as he is, so are you to the world. So if I want to know who I am, I need to look at the person of Jesus. And when I see the person of Jesus, I see who I am. So what's Jesus? He's holy, he's righteous, he's all-powerful, he's not broke, he's not sick. He healed everyone that came to him. Mm. So, so the more I begin to align my identity, see, what, what is the identity of the believer? You know, it's like, yes, I understand the Bible says royal priesthood, and we can say we're, you know, we're royalty. I, I understand that, but that's not the baseline of my identity. The baseline of my identity is Jesus. Period. Yeah. The the rest of it, like you know, royal priesthood, it's a byproduct of understanding my identity. The baseline, with without negotiation of my identity, is in Him and in Him alone. Mm. And it's out of that place that I begin to live in that victorious place of recognizing my identity is not about my identity. Sam is not in the miracle, the last miracle I saw. Yeah. That's a byproduct of my identity. So good. We can very easily establish our identity on what we do. It's not who, what mm. we do. It's in who we are. It's who we are. What is, who are we? As he is to the world. Yeah. No, that's so good because as you're saying that, it just reminds me of so many moments in my own life where you know, I see someone get healed. I'm like, oh, like I've God's favor. And then someone doesn't get healed. I'm like, oh, maybe there's unrepentant sin or something. You know what I mean? But yeah. I think that's excellent. Just wisdom and perspective and truth to live out um you know i feel like for us as our ministry a young ministry who's wanting to go after healing you know we've seen breakthroughs but you know i feel like bethel churches where there's constant testimonies and you know healings and of course there aren't people who get healed but there's just an overflow i would say um what are some of the things that you do to keep your hunger to keep going after more yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, Sam, is that, you know, like, <clears throat> there's two things that I've lived by for many years in, mm -hmm. in, in order to keep that hunger, that hunger right, is that, see, hunger, let me, let me phrase it like this, Hun hunger and thanksgiving are the two sides of the same coin, Wow. right, so if you are hungry, you want the more, mm -hmm. right, which we all do, right, well, I would hope we all do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I do. Yeah. I speak for myself. Is that we want the more. But if I'm hungry without being thankful for what I've seen, then that hunger will actually lead me to desperation, that will lead me to frustration, that will lead to unfruitfulness. Mm. Right? But yet if I'm thankful without hunger, then I've actually, it's like me saying, well, I'm okay here. You know, I've seen a couple people healed. This is... You know, I'm just quite happy camping here. And so while both elements are really, really important, hunger and thanksgiving, they actually have to be together because it's the two sides of the same mm -hmm. coin. They, they cannot be inseparable. So you put hunger and thanksgiving together. I see, I see a lot of people that are hungry and they want to see breakthrough, but they can't be thankful 
for what has happened. And they yeah. go, well, I haven't seen a miracle. I've got nothing to be thankful for. And it's like, well, I think you just missed it. You know, because every one of us have got something to be thankful for. We can find something that Thanksgiving attracts heaven. Mm. We've got something. It's like, well, I, I've never seen a miracle. How can I be thankful? I haven't seen a miracle. Read your Bible. <laughs> like, be thankful that Lazarus is raised from the dead. Yeah. Like, find something to be thankful for. Come on. And it's in that place that we're hungry and we're thankful and we're hungry that it's that it makes a kind of a one-two punch, you know, and it really attracts attracts heaven. And because I don't want to be I don't want to be hungry without thankfulness, because I know where that's going to lead. Yeah. To desperation and frustration, and I don't want to be thankful without hunger, because that means well I'm just okay and I'm going to camp right here. Thanks very much. I've seen enough for my life to make me a happy little camper to the end of my days. Yeah, that's and great. It's putting them both together, and when I'm Thankful and hungry is like, you know, and, and again, I come back to that point of Jesus is my supreme role model. So Jesus is my role model. Jesus is the center. It's like I'm, I'm extremely thankful for what I've seen, but not everybody I ministered to has been healed, but yet everyone that came to Jesus got healed. So it's not a matter of me trying harder. And I think that's the mistake we make. Well, we're just going to try harder. It's like, no, no, no. It's not a matter of trying harder. The Bible doesn't say he who tries bears much fruit. It says wow. he who abides bears much fruit. So again, it's just coming to that place of, I think that all, all of the miraculous and the miracles have to come out of rest. It doesn't come out of striving. It doesn't come out of trying harder. or you know, It doesn't come out of, you know, surprise or not, there's not a secret prayer. You know, just pray this prayer. You know, just change the way, just change that word out yeah. for this and it'll work. It's like, it's not like a secret little formula. It's just really beginning to see the people out of the heart of the Father, beginning to see the way, people the way that Jesus sees them. Mm, that's yeah. really good. I think just even as you say that, it reminds me that the greatest challenge then, if you don't see a miracle, let's say, is to go back to a place of trust and abiding. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's, really difficult just think about my own life and journey is that's the you know the hard work of entering his rest is getting to that place yeah and sam i mean i think that you know like i said i think that most of us well definitely with you i can see that you want that you want to see more mm -hmm. and the greatest priority is is not the miracle is operating in love mm -hmm. again miracle becomes the byproduct of ministering to someone and I've seen I've seen multiple people that have given their lives to Jesus though they didn't get healed yeah because they had an encounter with love now that doesn't mean that it was not God's will to heal them you know that's another subject of course it's God's will to heal them but but people can sniff when they've been a project yeah you know, it's that's it's kind of smells stinky mm. you, you know yeah. when you know you're just a target of a target of a project, you know, versus the person that's standing in front of you is somebody that God actually loves. Wow. And when you treat that person as the way that God sees them, you really can't go that wrong. And even when, if the miracle doesn't happen, it's like you still treated them with love and they feel that love. And it's out of that that I've seen people give their lives to the Lord because they felt that they were actually loved versus being a target of um, you know, just to target wow. as, as a project. Yeah, Yeah, come on. Um, I want to transition a little bit, and I would love to ask you, I guess, kind of an inside look of, you know, 
what you do as the director of healing ministry. I know Bethel is known for healings, but what are some of the things that you guys offer and do just so that people can hear what God is doing outside of just a miracle, but there's the process, there's the journey, there's sacrificing, there's creating spaces and times for people to experience that way. So I would love to kind of hear uh, what your day-to-day looks like as a director. Yeah, the day-to-day as a director, I mean, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of pastoral care. It's a lot of work. You know, I have 985 people on my healing ministry wow. team. <laughs> you know, I have about... Uh, you it's know, a big church by yeah, itself. <laughs> the church alone, we have 780 on staff now, I think mm-hmm. it is, and we have about 11,000 people here. Wow. Uh, but we have a, I have about 980 volunteers on the healing rooms, on the healing rooms team alone. So, so you know, that, that needs attention. You know, like there's, you know, we're not all, we don't all have it worked out. So there's obviously problems that are popping up all the time. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, four or five staff meetings a week where I'm meeting with, you know, different different circles of people and, you know, helping to helping to lead the people, to encourage the people, to build the people, to make the people strong, to feed them identity. Yeah. You, you know, that, that we're replicating that we're replicating ourselves in order that we can make disciples for, for Christ. Sure. So a lot of my week is, you know, like, uh, you know, I go out as, as the healing director. I travel a lot. I travel mm-hmm. like 90 days a year, and I speak at healing conferences all around the world. I just got back from Sweden just a couple yeah. of days ago. And so there's that element of you're going out and you're doing a healing conference and you're seeing the most amazing miracles and it's like, you know, things are, you know, things are blowing up and, you know, it's just incredible things, you know, blowing up in the good sense. You know, you're seeing these most incredible, amazing miracles. But but when I come back here, I mean, a lot of my work here is actually... You know, it's kind of messy. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like you go out, you do the miracle, you come home and you've got the towel over your arm and you're serving the mm-hmm. people and you're sorting out, you're helping people in their journeys of life. And, sure. you know, and uh, obviously with a team of 985 people, <laughs> you know, there's there's, mess, sure. there's messes that are made and there's people that need help and there's, you, you know, and there's obviously infrastructure and wheels within those wheels. So it's not just all about yeah. signs and wonders yeah, and not just <laughs> getting people healed. It's yeah. like... You know, there's a lot of pastoral care and just helping the internal processes of keeping an organization uh, like this continuing to move and stay on track. I I love it because I think that goes to show the reality of ministry, which is also Jesus, where he does miracles, he feeds the thousands, and then he has to go deal with Peter's mess. You know what I mean? So I love it because I think it's able to be relatable to everyone because, you know, we see Bethel as the pinnacle or what God is doing, but to see that, oh, that's everyday ministry yeah. for us too. So yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing well, that. Well, I think Jesus is the pinnacle. Yeah, of course, You know, of course. it's like I'm just, yeah. you, you know, and I don't think, I, I think sometimes we can look from an external perspective at Bethel and we think, oh, that must be, you know, that's just got, that's got to be the perfect church, yeah. you know, and it's like, ah, trust me, that's not, it's not perfect. You yeah, know, we have our internal issues and things that we're constantly working through with people and but it's just about doing family you know and uh you know it's right in this room once a week we meet with you know my in a in a team of about you know 30 35 of us and we just sit here and we spend a large time of that two hour meeting just sharing testimonies of you know what's god been doing what have you been seeing and and that we're in encouraging and strengthening ourselves in, in the Lord as well. Come on. Yeah. Um, I would love to have you share a couple of cool testimonies that you've seen recently of what God has been doing and things that you've seen and heard. 
Yeah, I got a few favorite ones. Yeah, you know, so we'll see how far we'll see how far we yeah. get. Yeah, one of my most favorite ones is just that I I was in uh, Japan. Just I've just been back mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks actually, but I go every year. And uh, and last year, um, last year um, in Japan, the pastor says to me. Um, he took me to a, a nice steakhouse, and you know, like a good steak. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he took me to a Japanese steakhouse, and um, and I was just so delighted to be there. You know, we're talking top quality, mm-hmm. you know, Kobe steak. Yeah. And uh, I was just really delighted to be there. And uh, the waiter comes out, and and uh, he serves me my steak and puts my steak in front of me. And I hear, I hear the Lord. Now, trust me, like I have never done this before. I've never heard it, and I've never done it, right? Mm-hmm. But I hear the Lord say, would you ask him to join you in the giving thanks for the food? Wow. Right? And I'm like, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the greatest. I'm a very introverted guy. Uh-huh. You know, like I'm not the wild evangelist out mm-hmm. on the street looking for someone to heal, you know. Uh-huh. But I will obey. Yeah. And so I hear the Lord say, would you, would you join, ask him to join you in the giving thanks for the food? And I'm thinking, oh, that's that's." That's pretty easy, you know. Mm. So I uh, I got it out of the wrong. I got it all in the wrong order. So without asking him, I reached up and held his hand, and I'm holding his hand, and he looks at me like, <laughs> "Why are you holding my hand?" <laughs> and I said, "Oh, would you join me in the giving thanks for the food? I'm just so appreciative of the yeah. steak." And he he goes, oh, "Okay." So I begin to pray, and he begins to convulse, and he wow. begins to shake back and forth, and he's rocking rocking and then he bursts into tears and he starts wailing he falls on the floor and falls under the table wow right and i'm like i you know i'm like oh i look at the pastors to say you know like is this normal in japan you know like you know and he looks and his eyes are as large as sources you know like his you know and the pastor on the other side we're looking at each other and i didn't know i didn't know what to do so uh, we finished grace, and I'm like, uh, he gets, he's on his knees, and he's beside him on my left, and he's he's crying, and I'm like, bless you, bless you, my friend, bless you, you know, and he he gets up and he walks away to go and get the pastor's meal, and I said to the pastor, I said, what do we do now? Yeah, like, oh, what was that about? Yeah. You know, and he's like, we we're trying to come to a conclusion on what to do, but we didn't have time because he walked back in, mm-hmm. right? So he walks in, and I said, my friend is there. Is there, uh, is there something I can pray for you for? Yeah. And uh, he burst into tears again and said, well, there is. He said, my wife and I, all as we've ever wanted to do is conceive and have babies. She can't get pregnant. Would you pray? Like, could you pray for that? Yeah. And I'm like, of course I can. Come over here. So he comes around to my left and I just put my hand on his shoulder and mm. we just, I begin to declare of him, you know, babies are God's idea. It really is going to be okay. You know, like peace, you know, it's yeah. going to end. How do you know? And I'm like, I know because the Bible says go for to multiply. Yeah. You know, like I know as babies, babies really are God's idea. It's his idea for us to be fruitful. It's going to be okay. So we just ministered to him for a minute and. We uh we left at the end of the meal and he takes us to the front door and he and he puts his arms out and he goes, Would you just hug me? Yeah. And I hugged him and he starts wailing again and crying. <laughs> this is a very exclusive restaurant. Yeah. I was kind of thinking, man, he's gonna lose his job, <laughs> you know. And any anyway, so in uh just it was only a few months later that I got a Facebook uh, a Facebook note from him that he was uh that he was pregnant. Oh my well, she was pregnant, yeah. not he was not, but yeah, yeah. he had something it wasn't that kind of miracle. He had something, he had something to do with it. <laughs> That his wife was yeah, his wife wow. was pregnant, and uh, so I was just in Japan just a few weeks ago at the end of February, and uh, 
and I was in Austria the week before, mm-hmm. and I bought him a, I bought the baby a present when I was in Austria, yeah. and then I flew to Japan, and I Facebooked him and said, I, I've got your present, wow. a baby present. The baby was born the 6th of February. I bought you a present, you know, and I, I want to I get it to you. Yeah. So he said, well, are you going to be speaking somewhere? And I told him what church I'd be at, and he goes, oh, I'm going to come, and I'm going to hear you. And... Uh, and I'm like, great. So he shows up to church. Uh, just, just like six weeks ago, he shows up to church. He walks in, sees me, bursts into tears again. <laughs> I embrace him. And I'm like, my friend, you got a, I got a special seat for you. You're yeah. on the front row with yeah. me. So he sits on the front row with me. Mm-hmm. And I, I share a message out of, uh, you know, the 99 sheep. And, and that if Jesus lost, you know, if, the, if, if he loses one sheep, he goes for the one and he leaves the 99 because that's how much... He cares for the one. Yeah. I shared about the power of a simple act of love. You know, of just really doing the simple act. Of like, we don't know how powerful that simple act can be. Where we think it's not powerful unless we pray. Mm. You know, but the simple act of kindness, the simple act of hospitality, the simple act of, you know, just the simple act. And so, and then I shared the message with the church about the simple act of asking a waiter if he would join me in giving thanks for the food. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting right there, yeah. right? And uh, so I presented the gift to him in church, and he stood up in church, and he opened it, and he showed it wow. to everyone what I bought him, what, what I bought the baby. And so at the end of the message, I just made a response for those that wanted to give their lives to Jesus. Well, I didn't know he wasn't saved. Mm. You know, I assumed he was, but I guess he wasn't. And he's sitting there, and he's waving his hand violently, you know, like just violently, violently, and he put his hand down and... There are about 40 people that give their lives to the Lord. And every time I look back towards his way, you put his hand up again. And, you know, and then we ask them if they would respond by coming to the front. And this young man runs to the front. And so, I mean, that's just it's just a tremendous miracle of, you know, that was that was one story. But in the morning, that same morning, I'm taking a taxi to church. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I um, the traffic was very thick, so I stopped. We got out and we walked the last little bit. We could get there faster than in the car, uh-huh. so we just walked. And I saw a coffee shop, and I really wanted some food. And um, uh-huh. I, <clears throat> I look in the the window of the coffee machine, the coffee shop, but it was to see the food. But it was a tinted um, reflective uh, reflective window, so I couldn't see the food. So. Without thinking, I just came up right up to the window, you know, with my my hands cupped around my eyes yeah. to to look at the food, and I'm looking at, and right on the other side, about three inches from me, is a lady looking back at me, <laughs> like eyeball to eyeball, like three inches between yeah. us in a glass pane, you know. She's yeah. looking right at, me, and I'm super embarrassed, you know. Yeah. I mean, it really embarrassed me. So I said to the pastor, you know, I need to go in and uh, just. I'd hate her to think I was checking her out. And she was a white woman in yeah. Japan, you know. Yeah. So I walk in and I just go up to the lady and said, "Hey, I'm I'm really I'm yeah. really sorry. I wasn't I wasn't checking you out. I was trying to check the food, you yeah. know, and reflective glass." And she goes, "Oh, that's quite okay, Chris Gore." Oh, that. <laughs> right. And now I'm feeling even more awkward. Yeah. And and I say, "How do you know me?" And she said, "She's a New Zealander that lives in Australia, that's there on a skiing holiday." And uh, she says, by the way, could you pray for me? Because I can't conceive. Wow. Well, the day I landed in Japan just mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, yeah. as I landed, I turned my cell phone on and I downloaded an email from her and a photo of the baby that had just been born. Oh, my So gosh. that was just two weeks after the waiter yeah. uh, from that night. So both of them had, uh, you know, had babies Amazing. within the first couple, you know, the, um, the f- within a couple of weeks of each other. So that was uh, that, so. That's pretty exciting. There's been certainly a string of 
lost count of the, the amount of pregnancies and ladies that have gone on to conceive. Um, another exciting one was in, uh, as in Malaysia um, last, uh, last June. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were four ladies on one night that were healed of um, um, cancer, terminal cancer. Mm. And one of them, I've actually got the internal photos of her bowel through the, you know, the camera that they you know, put the camera yeah. inside and they take internal photos. She had a um, she had a six inch track of bowel that was rotten. I mean, oh I can show you the photos. It's tumorous. It's pussy. It's all the rest of it. And that was the first of June. She gets ministered to the seventeenth of June, and on the twenty fifth of June, she goes back to the doctor, and uh, she's got brand new bowel. Praise I mean, it's God. brand brand new. I mean, there's wow. not a, any scar tissue left or anything. Amazing. So that was in Malaysia, and then uh, just a very recent one from Reading, right here in the U.S. Before people say, "Well, that happens overseas, but not in the states," <laughs> it happens in the states. Yeah. I think the states is one of the easiest places in the world that I've ever been to to see miracles. And uh, so I'm, we're having a church conference a couple of weeks ago, and it's one of the only Saturdays in the year where we cancel the healing rooms. And a man and his, and his mum drove all the way here from Phoenix to come to the healing rooms. Well, it's not on. Mm -hmm. They walk into the back of the room, and she's all, she knows who I am, and she says, excuse me, Chris, like, what's happening here? Why, why are the healing rooms not on? And I said, they're not on on a Saturday today, you know, because yeah. of, we've got a, fa a family conference on. And she said, oh, really? She said, I bought my, bought my son, and he has... He has Lyme's disease, and I'm like, well, that's not going to stop us praying for him. Yeah. Like, we'll still, we'll still pray for him. So I asked him his name, and I, I, you know, and I put my hand on his chest, and not really knowing what the symptoms are, mm -hmm. put my hand on his chest, and we begin to pray. And he, he falls on my, he falls on my chest. He begins to weep and sob on my chest, and I'm like, well, what's, what's happening? I thought, you know, yeah. did I hurt him? You know. Yeah. And he says, that is like the first full breath I've been able to take in two years. Wow. I mean, because the limes had affected his, uh, his, his lungs, his breathing. It affected his hand. His hand was kind of clawed up a little. It affected his neck. His neck had become extremely stiff. His back, his mind, he had, he was full of anxiety. He's, you know, just, he was really in quite a state. And uh, the last communication that I've had was just a couple of weeks ago. It was from his mother that he's been, he's been completely healed. Amen. He was not able to interact with his children because of the disabilities that the Lyme's given him. He drove from here back to Phoenix and walked into their house and had a wrestling match with his three boys on the carpet. Wow. You know, so it's like, you know, our father really is good and his Amen. desire really is to heal people. And I, I really think that... We have to change the way that we we have to change the way that we see healing. We have to change the way that we approach healing. And I think it's very easy to approach it, well, God, if it be your will. And we wonder why it doesn't happen. It is his will. What father wouldn't what father would want his kids sick? Mm. You know, and I really believe that God is wanting to raise up a generation of people that are just gonna stop tolerating sickness. Come on. You know, and that we're going to begin to see people out of the way that the Father sees them. And it's out of that that the, 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 the power and the love begin to flow, that, that we begin to call them into God, who God created them to be. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Uh, as we wrap up here, um, I would love for you to be able to just pray for all of our listeners, uh, for those 
who need healing right now, yeah, as well as for people who listen who are hungry and want to be thankful and want to go after it. Yeah, if you could pray for them. Yeah, right well, now. Father, we we thank you that you really are a good Father. Father, that it is your desire for us to be free from sin and it's your desire for us to be free from sickness is that at the cross you became you became sin and you became our sickness that we can be free. So God, we thank you that you've paid for it. This is not about what we pay for. It's not about what we work for. It's not about our merits. It's about your merits. It's about what you've paid for. It's about who you are. It's about what you've done. So Father, we just speak to physical ailments and bodies right now and we thank you that you didn't send that ailment to teach us a lesson but you sent Jesus to teach that ailment lesson. So God, we just declare freedom and we speak to bodies right now that they're coming to an alignment with how you created them to be, that the peace and the grace of heaven and the power of heaven would flow into them right now, that fullness and wholeness and health would be their portion. We thank you in Jesus' name. We speak to sickness and we say, be gone to pains, be gone to infirmities, be gone. Father, we declare your grace. And Father, I also just pray that there'd be a hunger that would that would be generated and would be sparked in people's lives, that you would you again would become the center. That, that it's not the miracle, but you would be the center of our lives. Father, that we would be filled with passion, that we would be filled with thanksgiving. And Father, I pray there'd just be a release of grace that anybody that's listening to this podcast, that, that may they begin to see fruit, may they begin to see immediate fruit uh, from their lives as they begin to see people how you created them to be and you, they begin to see people out of the eyes of this loving Father. So God, we bless them. Father, I just pray for great, great, extraordinary breakthrough through each one of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. So good. Amen. Um, how can people connect with you? online or things like that yeah they can connect online i have uh, i have two facebooks uh one i don't use very often the public <laughs> one the fan one i hardly yeah. use so the best one is probably my personal one you can follow me on there while it's full but you can still follow me and that's chris escore so c-h-r-i-s-s-g-o-r-e or i have a webpage at chrisgore.org perfect we'll yeah. have all the links for you guys who are listening and uh thank you so much chris for sharing your heart and uh, your time with us. Thank yeah, you. Oh, you're so welcome. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear the testimonies. You Come know, on. that's how I feed myself. Yeah. You know, by hearing what other people are doing and seeing what God's doing, and and that's how it helps me to stay in that place of faith as well. So, Come yeah, on. yeah. Amen. So, guys, you heard him. Uh, if you have testimonies, uh, even from this podcast, send them in. And uh, until the next time, thank you for tuning in. We love you. God bless. Bless you guys. Thank you for listening to PursuitCast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.